This is the Everyman Podcast, and I am happy to announce this episode is with Rocco Kayatis. I am delivering this intro from a very cold room on an avocado farm that is also being used as a refrigerator. I'm, I'm not shitting you. Uh, it's freeze, it's freaking freezing in here. Um, it's hot. It's summer. Uh, I am excited to share this upcoming podcast uh, with you, and I'll tell you more about it in just a few minutes. First, I'm going to highlight a couple opportunities that every man has coming up this summer. We're just about to execute our next open source retreat, a weekend retreat for any dude who is who identifies as a dude that wants to come to a retreat to learn about himself, to learn about connection, and to find out how to be more of yourself every, every day. So this one is in Northern California at Riverbend Retreat Center. Dates are July 19th to 21st. Starts at Friday about 7 p.m., goes to Sunday till about 4 p.m., and in between there, it will be a just a jam-packed opportunity for you to be faced with your fears, to be faced with your dreams, and to be faced with other men who have similar uh, experiences as you who are willing and ready to push through all of the all of the things that hold us back, all of the reasons that we don't be who we are and go for what we want in this life. Couldn't be more proud of what's going on with that. So come join us in Northern California. If you are of an East Coast persuasion, or if that's an easier place for you to travel, August 2nd through 4th will be at Racebrook Lodge in Sheffield, Massachusetts. Sheffield is just north of New York City a couple hours. It's in the Berkshires. It's in a beautiful place. There is a hiking trail that goes right up to the Appalachian Trail, right through the property. There is a spring-fed stream that you can drink out of. And we do go hiking, and we do some, uh, both of these, Northern California and wherever we, we run these, we do, uh, we get out in nature. We do some wellness practices. We do some yoga. We do some breathing. And the main thing that we do is show up and start checking in with what the hell we actually feel. There's two questions that run through our work at the core there what do i feel and what do i want and i'm here to tell you today that if you have a if you have a crystal clear answer to both of those at any moment in your life things are different things go different things are easier maybe not easier but they make more sense and there's a lot less turbulence internally with what you do so we have a, we have very simple practices our, our practice is so simple we slow down we have guidance to, to get more in touch with what we feel, and then we share it with each other through many different means. So come join us. Uh, there's a big wave happening across our country and now internationally. I'm about to, to jump on a plane and go over to Australia and deliver a workshop. Very excited about that. And I'm excited, especially excited to share about this podcast that you may or may not engage in right now. My guest today is Rocco Kayatis. He and I connected uh, about a month ago. He reached out to our site, uh, and I'm gonna read. I'm just gonna read his bio uh, from his website, just because I think I, I couldn't do it better. It's really well written. Um, Rocco Kayatis is a writer, performer, and organizer. He released his first album under the moniker Catastrophe in 2004, becoming the first openly transgender man to release an LP. He's the founding editor of Original Plumbing Magazine the world's first trans male quarterly print magazine. Over the past six years, he's been working for a lot of companies, but I'm going to get through that. And finally, I want to highlight, he is also the co-founder and director of Camp Lost Boys, the first sleepaway summer camp exclusively for adult men of trans experience. One of the first things I learned uh, deeply, and, and you'll hear in this podcast, is some of the the language used to describe uh these gender differences that are such a big deal in our culture today. And I'm coming into this and just be totally blunt and honest to, to part of it is to learn. And, uh, Rocco has been an incredible guy to talk with. Rocco and I have been very excited to have conversations with the intention of building some bridges, uh, bridges between different populations of males within our culture at large. And uh, I've, I've not even that much more to say about it. This was a deeply enlightening conversation for me. I, I walked away feeling very hopeful. I walked away feeling just excited and enlightened and uh, on the same team. And it, it's, uh, I'm proud of this. I'm excited to share it. And um, I hope you enjoy the whole thing. 
First time I've ever been in Hollywood proper. I was a little bit alarmed out there. That was that's kind of an intense neighborhood, man. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, it's rough. The here's the intention, and here's uh, going to introduce Rocco. And I'm going to say your last name wrong. I, I, I want to okay, say catastrophe, does. but yeah, yeah. What's how do you how do I pro- appropriately say your Coyotes. Coyotes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we got connected. I suppose a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. And I had on my end a very uh, meaningful and exciting conversation. And I think we were just chatting before we hit go here. And I think the, so first of all, welcome. Thank you. I forget to do that. Um, I always think it's kind of like not, there's no real point to doing that, but sure. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You are very welcome. Appreciate Um, that. You're welcome as well. And so the intention here is to begin uh, the process of building uh, a dialogue, a bridge, a uh, just a, a potential pathway of connection uh, between uh, your community of trans men and the, uh, the not, uh, non-trans men, right? Yeah. And not even just necessarily specific communities, but just let's just make it general, right? Yeah. Like start the conversation and. Um, yeah, and this is, you know, I'm going to, I think we're both on the same page in terms of being vulnerable and being honest. And, you know, I'm just going to say it out front. If I say anything that's ignorant or, you know, uh, you know, like, like if I'm I- ignorant, I'll just say it that. Sure. Just tell me. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I think that's, like that's what's, really helpful. Yeah, I think it's important know? for people to always know that it's not, if you're well-intentioned, that's great. Yeah. And then well-informed, it makes it easier. So the point of today's conversation is what you just identified to kind of bridge those communication gaps between trans men or men of trans experience and men who have not had a trans experience and kind of begin that conversation about what that looks like what are the differences what are the commonalities how do we kind of speak to each other how do we learn from each other and more so how do we give your listeners and members of every man uh, the information to be able to understand what it's like for trans men or even just understand the language around a trans experience. And before I transitioned, I had no information. So I too was ignorant. So I always feel like it's important to be patient and giving with information because how would someone learn without? So I never feel like there's any shame in not knowing something. I really appreciate that. And I guess to name um, some of my also underneath intentions here too or, or what drives this for me i mean first and foremost i there's not much that lights me up more than uh building the the space and the scenario for uh diverse people or people who think that there's a lot well difference people with difference mm-hmm. to find like a deep connected shared same humanity first and then from that point talk about all the things that are hard for us to talk about and this that are often scary for us Mm -hmm. to talk about and so um and the other bigger just to name it too i mean i think part of every man's purpose in general is to um well two things one I want that word to mean what it says, every man, and I, w- I want that to, I want that to be real, and I want people to feel welcome and invited into our community. And the other part of it too is I really feel like um, the the big hopeful impact that we hope to make, said one way, is that. Um, you know, just like, and I'm not saying any specific like way it looks, but men in general, um, I think when they slow down and connect to themselves and and learn how to connect to other people directly, like I just I think it's this big lever that we can pull to really like push um, just a general uh, culture forward so that we're hurting each other less and misunderstanding. Absolutely. So anyway, just to yeah, put I that think, out I'm, there. I mean, men know? men of any experience are not encouraged to connect period, mm-hmm. um, let alone connect with each other. Uh, so I think that we're supposed to be silent and separate and contained within the walls of our own bodies and experiences. Yeah. So the work that you do, the work that I do, it's all about connecting men to themselves and then building community around men that have a deep desire to be connected. 
Amazing. So yeah, do you wanna do you wanna talk a little more about yourself first, or and what you do, or your or your past, or do you want to get right into the lexicon before we before we dive into anything? Yeah, I mean, the, a basic lexicon is like for me I, at this point. I transitioned about twenty years ago, yeah. so I I've been in the path of this experience for half of my life, um, and at this point in in my identity around my transness, I just refer to myself as a man of trans experience because at this point I just feel deeply as a man always have yeah and now my maleness is informed by a trans experience yeah um that's not specific to everyone so everyone has a different kind of relationship to their identity but that's mine and then a short version of saying non-trans or like not a trans man is just to say cis cis yeah cisgender man so a cis man, trans man. And what is the root? What is, oh, is, man, it's is something you know? Latin. Is it, I think it means yeah. to be aligned with what you were oh. originally. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. So I think yeah. I might be wrong. And cisgender is the way to say that. Right? Yeah, or you could just say a cis man. Cis. But okay, I also say non-trans or like yeah. specify trans. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think that's all we need. If anything else Great. comes up, let's yeah. let's unpack. And it. in this specific case, the yeah. the pronouns that you use are he him he one hundred percent yeah yeah. And in fact, what's interesting is like now with the emergence of a non-binary identity, which seems like more and more common of people identifying as neither female or male. Yeah, that has nothing to do with my experience. I couldn't feel less aligned with that because I've always felt male. I have a twin sister. She modeled what it looked like to be comfortably female for yeah. me from the inception of my life um and i don't i love the binary that said i want everyone to feel free and comfortable with who they are and how they want to express themselves in the continuum but i love the binary i've always felt male and i feel deeply deeply adhered to that end of the you know what's so interesting is you right there gave me permission i think to say that same thing that you love the binary yeah man i think like in doing this work uh, and by work i mean like Trans men or trans people in general have to examine the most unchecked foundational kind of human experience, which is gender, right? Most people don't have to think long and hard about their gender. And in fact, my sister's an academic and I'm not. And uh, I just live in a body and I'm constantly curious about the world around me. Uh, I never read a book, never kind of unpacked my gender in an academic way. I just did because people were telling me I was one thing and I was telling them I was another thing and I had to kind of assert and uh, continue to assert that reality until it became a concrete manifestation of that reality for myself externally. Um, So with that came 20 years of deep critical thinking about gender in general, uh, 360 degrees of gender, but also what it means to be a man and what it means to be a responsible and intentional man and how to be intentional with your masculinity. Yeah. And as a result now, 20 years later, I can say, which is challenging to say, but I can say, I love being a man and I love being a man who is binarily identified. So do I. Right. <laughs> which is no, a really, so it's liberating. a really unpopular thing to say right now. No, right. It's, but in yeah. a way that's the revolution, right. Is to say that right now and to claim that with intention instead of just blindly being like, I love being a man. I'm a fucking piece of shit. Right. Right. Cause that's what people kind of expect is that, yeah. that men are trash, right. Yep. We hear a lot of rhetoric around toxic masculinity, which is a thing, but I want to reframe that. I want to yeah. reframe that as problematic because toxic kind of connotes this this like we have to put on a fucking suit to like a hazmat suit yep. to handle it and then put it in a waste bin somewhere to dispose of forever and it doesn't even ever like break down so it has to be just contained separate from everything else whereas if we reframe it as problematic it's begging for a solution and then we can all start together to critically think about what's the solution to yeah. problematic masculinity in men yeah and i think this is it I agree. This is very exciting to me. It is. It's such a, um, it's such a, it's such a unique. Yeah. So I just to like go into my experience there that I, you know, like all my life. Actually, here's a little story. So I moved the first time I moved to New York City. um, I got a job in high school in the Bronx, and I walked into the uh, office. 
and met the principal for the first time. And uh, lovely man, Sam, I don't know if you'd ever listened to this. I haven't talked to you in a long time, but lovely dude. But the first thing he ever said, like I walked in, I'm like, hello. And he's like, you are such a man. And I'm like, I had this like dual reaction. Mm. Part of me was like, whoa, no, like, wait a minute. Like, come on. Like, part of me was like, yeah, okay, sure. That, that feels good. And part of me was like, no. But I have been sort of what, labeled. What was the no part? What, was, what came up for you? I think that I was uh, uh, not, I think people had, um, people would look at me and just assume things. Like, so when I was a teacher, people would assume I was a hard ass. People would assume that I was like a, you know, a strict sort of like, but that, I mean, my way of being is, is very connective and is very like patient and empathetic, right? That's, that's my truth, right? And so, I don't know, I experienced that, um, that thing. And at the same time, as I have matured and, you know, gotten older myself, I'm like, yeah, I, I am, I am just like, I'm just very like celebratory of, of my, of my maleness or my manness, you know? Or, and, um, so, and in today's, like, I am so dearly, like deeply, honestly want to be respectful of everybody and their experience and all that. And, and I think, um, yeah, anyway, that's a long way to say what you just said of just celebrating and honor that unlocked a little piece for me. Mm. It felt good to hear that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Because I do believe we're headed toward a place where we get to like celebrate the crap out of each other's experiences and differences and be like, sweet, tell me what that's like. Like, tell me about your life. Like, that, that's, that's different than mine. And yeah. we can just like, that can just be part of our shared conversation and humanity yeah. together I, I mean there's yeah. so much language and and other things that uh, present as obstacles to understanding that this is going to sound super hippie pardon I grew up in the Bay Area so I'm, <laughs> I'm a deep hippie but I really feel like you know if you think about source or like the larger kind of cosmic energy it's about oneness and yeah. like connectivity right that's kind of the point of life and I think the older I get the more I understand like money's not about or, or life is not about money or things or owning or any of that. It's about like connection. Yeah. And that, that what you just said about uh, celebrating each other's difference, it's sort of, it's also like seeing each other's sameness and connecting. Right. Uh, totally. And I think the order of operations, which makes it all uh, smooth is, is, is like connecting first, right? Mm -hmm. Slowing down to connect. And then I really think we can, we can have all of the conversations about differences in the yeah. world and, and make space for it. You know, I we don't have to go deep into this, but on our first conversation, one of the things that stuck out to me, kind of like bowled me over, was when you shared about the the larger LGBTQ community. I'm probably saying that wrong, but no, that's how right. <laughs> how trans men, because of owning the binary are unpopular with other parts of the community yeah. and, I, and it just kind of it kind of like blew my mind up it's like I, I was like part of, it was like okay rationally yeah i get it that makes total sense right because you're adopting and owning a part of something that other people uh want to disown or and but my goodness tell I mean, me i mean everyone has a problem with men right because men are kind of problematic in general or, yeah. but i mean that's a super generalization yeah. and very reductive but um the patriarchy is an issue right 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 we can all yeah. agree on that and and let's even get more granular so patriarchy the, like say like dominant yeah the sort of systems in place that yeah. provide privilege and opportunity for men particularly white men yes um and that kind of right now we're seeing the pendulum swing all the way to kind of overcorrect, and that's why toxic masculinity is is present mm -hmm. uh, in conversation more, and things are coming to light that haven't before. And I think in part, you know, the tools of social media are kind of providing a landscape for people to share and own their experience because they didn't have access before because of the patriarchy. Yeah. So there's new tools to kind of level the playing field, and now we're swinging all the way to kind of say all men are trash, maleness is trash. <laughs> 
But so we got to find a middle place at some point. But the, there's a microcosm of that that happens within the larger LGBT community. And then if you get even smaller within the trans community, uh, the experience of being trans, if you're a trans woman or non-binary, and then you have trans men or trans masculine people, and these are all different levels of identifying. At this point in my life, again, like it's easiest for me to just say, I actually feel more aligned and comfortable with cisgender men because yeah. we're having the same experience of maleness for me it's hyper normative too at this point i'm a straight dude i'm married to a woman yeah i've had this like informed kind of lens of queerness around my maleness and i've had the opportunity to really unpack shit so that's cool so i feel like i have advanced knowledge in terms of like how to be a good man yeah but uh but in the larger queer community i'm the, just gonna put a pin on that we'll come back to it but like yeah. that that advanced knowledge or deeper look at how to be a good man yeah that's fascinating so yeah. keep going but we'll come back to that um so in the larger like queer community the the kind of um I don't know how to even put it the overall sentiment is that now that you're a man and you're experiencing male privilege particularly because i'm a white man right who's married to a woman and we have this like really normal kind of experience and i don't have i don't have to deal with the stress of microaggressions on a day-to-day -day basis of people asking me like what are you where are you going to go to the bathroom i don't have to deal with like a barrier to entry of like getting a job or yeah. being comfortable or like yeah. going out to eat or just doing basic shit using a bathroom like all these things that other trans people who are maybe not read as the gender that they feel they are yeah. have to deal with on a daily basis because of all of that the new like quote unquote privilege that trans men are receiving the larger trans and queer community ask trans men to take a back seat and shut up and take up less space which then is like to me at especially you know two decades of kind of seeing this in different forms yeah 20 years ago when i started transitioning people didn't know what the fuck the queer community was like i don't know what you are or where you belong really you know? yeah it's yeah. a pretty new identity i okay. mean caitlin jenner was kind of like the biggest moment culturally and that was what like four or five years yeah, that ago wasn't long ago yeah so yeah. uh there's not much information and i kind of fumbled my way through the dark to figure it out yeah and uh heard from the queer community that well, you don't really belong here. You don't belong there. You're not like a gay man, so you can't be in gay male spaces. You're not a lesbian, so you can't be in lesbian spaces. And there is no trans space, right? There's no trans specific space. Um, and then even more so if there is, it tends to be more for people who are non-binary or female identified. Got it. And um, the only things for trans men that exist are things that I've started. Gosh, <laughs> so man. So I made a magazine called Original Plumbing that existed for 10 years. We just uh, came out with a, a book collection. And then for the past two years, I've been doing this camp, um, Camp Lost Boys, which is for men of trans experience period so if people are identified as trans masculine that means it's sort of looser that they feel like okay they don't feel like a man but they don't feel like a woman but they're more like male or like still masculine identified. still no no they don't believe in the binary they don't. so this camp is specifically okay. for men who have had a trans experience but believe in the binary and feel very aligned and adhered to that binary yeah um so and so and the impetus for creating that space was because there are camps that exist for trans masculine, the larger umbrella, and trans men are asked to be quiet in those spaces. Hmm. So every time there's even like a small like modicum of space created for masculine identified people in the queer community, trans men are still asked to be quiet. And I think, you know, all of that is rooted again in the patriarchy <laughs> and this yeah. perception of perceived like it's perceived privilege and then erasure of someone's history and what they've been through so for me after 20 years of that i feel like great got it now i'm going to join the space of men in general like the larger umbrella of men yeah. to have a conversation and a dialogue of repairing masculinity and maleness which is why this conversation is exciting to me because that's yeah. the next step if the queer community doesn't feel that they want to hear from binarily identified trans men. Great, let's do you take feel, all of our voices. Do you feel at ease and connected and a part of like uh, masculine culture if, it, if it's like predominantly men without trans experience? Do you, mm -hmm. feel, do you feel just like... 
Well, just to put it loosely, like one of the guys. I mean, is it? I do. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. But I also feel like uh, I've had a level of discomfort in those spaces sometimes. Yeah. But um, the more time I spend in those spaces, the more I realize that it's not. I can put my own story on it, and sure. I attach that sure. of like, oh, it's because I'm trans. But it's not. It's because men are uncomfortable with each other Big and they're time. uncomfortable being vulnerable <laughs> with each other and they're uncomfortable exposing themselves or showing any t- a sign of like quote unquote weakness. Yeah. So the more time I spend in men's spaces yeah. dedicated to kind of growth and dude you might you have probably a big list of ninja skills in, <laughs> comparatively to yeah. you know in well, that space of of like men I mean yeah. I think maybe I mentioned this on the call we had, but one of my favorite sort of writers and podcasters is Dan Savage. And, and one of the things that has always stuck with me is he shared a couple of different times, a couple of different ways, but just about, um, you know, queer folks who had to come out in one way or the other mm. had and have or can have a uh, kind of the sense that like, what's harder than that? And so mm. like the, the, the ability to own parts of oneself, like yeah. everybody has this, Everybody has some journey of, you know, owning parts of themselves yeah. that they're that either they or others are uncomfortable with. Um, but I think yeah, being I trans is like, the, I mean, that being trans is this is this mixture of like really challenging and really beautiful things. And the challenges are obvious. I don't think I have to go over yeah. them. Yeah, they're yeah. basic and obvious. Like. Yeah. Uh, I don't. There's been moments where I'm like, this sucks. Well, yeah, actually, but then, say the obvious. Just, just yeah, sure. The case, obvious is like know? society doesn't want you to exist. Yeah. Like we can start from a baseline like that. People yeah. are disgusted by you. They don't think you're appropriate to be around families. They don't think that you're worthy of having a job. Trans women of color are murdered so, at a higher rate so than anyone else. So it's not obvious to everybody. And this is important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, trans women are, are murdered by the hands of strangers more than any other demographic. Um, yet trans people don't have like basic things. Like you can't. Uh, trans men. This is interesting too. This will be interesting to you too because trans men the rate of suicidal ideation or death yeah. by suicide is higher than any other part of the LGBT community. It is. Yeah, and again, and it's trans men, right? Trans women are murdered more than anyone else, but trans men are more drawn towards suicide, and so are men. So are men. Right. So, And it's the st- statistics with trans men and cis men or non-trans men are basically the same. Like 40% of LGBT people that kill themselves or die by suicide are trans men and i think that's interesting because people want to keep what is that that's so wild because we're told we have to be separate right men have to be like small they have to be quiet they have to suffer in silence they can't share their feelings or they they have to be so freaking big that they bowl everybody else over that's those are the the options but one of the other like one or of two extremes right um so and then the gift of being trans is that you have to self-actualize so right. most people right. in their lifetime are not forced to. Yes. So trans people are forced to make this decision of like, am I willing to sacrifice literally everything? My comfort, my safety, my family, my home, everything to be who I know that I am. And I think in that way, if your eyes are wide open, which I by no means do I think all trans people are enlightened, but if your eyes are opened, then you have this beautiful gift of understanding self-actualization. Nothing I do in my life will ever be as difficult as what I did 20 years ago when I told my family that I was gonna transition and dealt with this. And so everything else is is like a bonus round, right? So it's like I already died and then came back to life and now all of this is extra. And so nothing else is gonna be as challenging. Um, Do you ever have moments where you get tired of that whole of 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 that. I mean, are, I was going to say that said, yeah. I don't really think about it day to day. That's what I'm, I was wondering. I'm like settled. Yeah. I'm like thinking about my mortgage, and you know, my dog just had surgery. I'm thinking about that. Yeah. I'm thinking about like my wife's about to. Uh, she just uh, got an office space for a private practice therapy. I'm thinking about how if that's going to affect my finances. So I'm thinking about like basic human shit at this point. I think that early stage of transitioning is just like puberty where you're obsessed with like your body changing all these things but that's typical right yeah so everyone has that moment of puberty and then trans people have a second puberty um so they have to think about that but the gift of transness that i see now is this 360 degree view of 
intentionality around my maleness yeah. in a way that I have a master class education that has not been written about, particularly because I feel driven to take this information to men's spaces, yeah. which feels like this is an opportunity to, to kind of embed myself in shifting this cultural narrative unapologetically because there are like I don't want to get it twisted there are trans men who are writing about this and who are engaged in this conversation but from what I've seen and I've been around for a long time in this identity and I've seen people try over and over again to kind of break through and communicate what this experience is like but from what I see the trans men that we have leading these conversations in media right now are apologetic Hmm. ashamed and uh, afraid to occupy space and say, I love being a man. Let me talk to other men about why they love being a man yeah. and how can we shift how men are problematic so men can be ingratiated into the larger culture of the gender conversations that are happening right now. So yeah, what I see in here then is that yeah, day-to-day life, it's it's not dominating you, but you recognize you have a massive gift to give here. You you have something to share that's that's important. Totally. What do you feel what is the current there's so many questions that I have. What is what do you see happening with like y- the young young people today, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, even younger, but say say adolescents mm. that um, it seems to be the case that that chunk of of uh, the world is very open to many things. Totally. Do you what what are? Um, I guess I always think about it. I always think about it in terms of younger people and like what do they need? What do we need to pass to them? What do what what can we share? Do younger people have permission now? Much more available, or I mean, what? Yeah, Generation Z is uh, not they don't even look at identity the same way that we did. I mean, I think you and I are part of the same generation. I think we're around the same age and uh, like millennial adjacent, right? Like the tail end of millennial. Exactly. So I existed before the internet and social media did in that real way. And I know that it's like a Grand Canyon size kind of generation gap for us with kids that grew up with social media is like a prevalent tool. Um, These kids, I recently read a, a study that these kids have over Generation Z has over 500 uh, different gender identities. Um, only 40% of them identify as straight. So they're very... 40. Only 40, yeah. Uh, and most of them don't identify as anything at all. They don't feel attached to yeah, identity. Yeah. They don't feel at- attached to career. They're not attached to anything. Everything is uh, fleeting and transactional in this way that uh, the old man in me wants to shake a stick and be like, <laughs> get it together. But, you know, the the reality is like, this is kind of like what I hoped for when yeah. I was yeah. in my youth is that it would be this like ultimate freedom of choice and, and constant change. Yeah. But the old man in me is like more and more conservative where I'm like, you got to pick one where I feel like yeah. I'm my dad in some ways where it's just like I'm butting up against this change that I wanted to see happen in my lifetime, but it's happening at such an accelerated speed that I'm having a hard time catching up with it. So even when I identified earlier of like not really getting the non-binary identity, I don't fully get it. And I have to admit that like it's a challenge for me to understand what that looks like to be able to occupy a gray space. Because for me, everything is very black and white. So interesting. What, um, I I just got to ask this question. Yeah. What is what are your thoughts on the um what do you think gender is is it just identity and how we see ourselves is it is it physiological mm. are they differentiated like like what is it because that that's again i i I pretty much honor anybody whatever the fuck they want to feel or think sure. or whatever but like you know when it when i hear the phrase gender's not real I just, what I want to ask is like, okay, what does that mean? Because like, I made a couple babies with my wife (laughs) and so, you know, it's hard for me to answer that because I don't agree with that. I think gender is real. When people talk about ending gender, everything in my body flares up and is like, fuck you. I don't want to end gender. I love gender. I struggled so hard to be in this gender that when someone now asks me politely, politically correctly, what's your preferred gender pronoun? I'm just like, fuck you. What the fuck do you think? Look at me. Yeah. I worked this fucking hard to have some asked the question that was asked of me like 25 years ago no I'm not gonna answer that question and on top of that I understand like if you have a personal choice to say end gender because you don't feel comfortable 
in the binary, I honor that, but that's not my reality. And right. I, I think we should be able to celebrate the binary yeah. and the, everything in between those two poles, right? Okay. Um, but I do think like, in terms of like what is gender, I think your brain tells you, and it's this unquestioned thing, like that I said earlier of like having to unpack that is specific to trans people or like people who don't feel aligned with their gender. But if I ask you to close your eyes and like take away your body and your physical form and like really meditate on that and then come back to me with the answer of like, what's your gender and how do you know? So through that, it's, it's, that would be more of like, what is the, the expression of your spirit through either a masculine or feminine lens would, yeah. would be maybe uh, in that direction, in part, right? Yeah. In some way. And I think, I yeah. mean, we all have like masculine and feminine energy. And then exactly. if you get it, even if you boil it down to even that, it's like masculinity and femininity aren't specific to a gender, right? It's totally not. Right. I actually, so in, those two in things are work, totally separate. hundred percent. I, in this, in my work, I very particularly, uh, don't use the words masculine and feminine mm. in this time, like the, in this specific instance, like working with guys, like, because I just think it's, it's a, it's a trap. I in agree. Some yeah. yeah. Because you can't say the word masculine without everyone who hears it. Like they just have like a big giant, clear, messy. It just, it warps our, that word warps our thoughts. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I've done a lot of um, sort of spiritual practice and things. And, and in those ways, uh, if you go back to sort of like the Eastern way, it was masculinity was, is like the seer, the all just, just pure awareness and femininity is everything that exists. Mm. And, and that's just, that's too complicated. and doesn't make sense to, to modern people. And mm -hmm. so we can't say those words without like picturing some sort of like dude or not dude, you mm -hmm. know? And so I, I very, very particularly try not to use those words. And I'm also very particular not try to be prescriptive about it because again, it's hard to say something is more masculine than not. And then, a lot of men or just people would be like, oh, I, I'm going to lean more toward that because I think I ought to or because mm. I think I need to be or or I want to. Right. But it's it's uh, and, and that's again, my ethos is really let's get down to to like deep connected humanity first and then we can describe the parts of ourselves that are true for us. Right. right. Like I can describe, you know, the fact that the difference between my the one of the many differences between my wife and I is I. I'm just like a little bit more um, less reactive or less sort of like motion heavy, right? She loves to be like, here's a great example. Her favorite thing in the world is to bop around a town and look, look in and to like look at dresses and windows and look at stuff. It makes me quiver with discomfort, <laughs> right? You know, what I would like to do is basically sit quietly by the river by myself. Mm. Or, I mean, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or go, go hunting or what, whatever it is. But um, anyway, yeah, the masculine feminine thing, I think I just feel like we're not being precise enough mm. at times and not descriptive enough in our language. Because when we say masculine, what are we actually meaning? Right. Is it, is it, is it some sense of uh, assertiveness? Is it, you know, and as soon as you get into that, like everybody has the quality of assertiveness or not assertiveness, Absolutely. you know, it's, yeah. I just think that whole thing of like, you know, the Eskimos have 30 words for snow or whatever. I just think we could benefit by being more and more specific with what we're describing when we're using those terms. Yeah. And I think, you know, this younger generation, generation Z is in inventing a lexicon around those sorts of things. Yeah. So I think like they're yeah. inventing identities that again, the old man in me is like, what now, how am I supposed to, <laughs> but it's cool that they're doing it. Right. So yeah. we're like, we're begging for it yeah. and they're doing all of that. They're defining by not defining and then getting really specific and granular about defining and defining and defining and kind of whittling it down to yeah. so everyone has a word to describe themselves but at the end it goes back to that whole thing we're all people it's yeah. a struggle to be a person we have unique uh and specific kinds of like circumstances around our struggles but at the end of the day it's it's really just a challenge to be a person yeah. and so i encourage you and anyone listening who has like who asks like what is gender to like sit meditate quietly remove your body from the equation hmm. and think what's my gender and how do i know hmm. without a body without a body right because without, yeah because your gender and yeah. how you relate to it exists in your mind because you're not shaking 
you, you shake hands with someone, you hug someone, you're not meeting and greeting strangers with your genitals. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, if someone's like, oh, it's because I have, you know, a dick or a vagina. Okay, sure. Yeah. But I don't know that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Totally. And I don't want to know that for most people. I don't want to see their <laughs> genitals. But, but so I think like, well, how do you know? And for me, I've had to think deeply about that. And then for trans people, it's used as proof. Like, how do you know? God. They want to know, like, how did you know? And for me, I'm like, it's intrinsic. I've never questioned anything yeah. besides. I've always felt male. Yeah. I thought that I was, and then I became. Yeah. And I think that it's important for men too, uh, at this moment in history in America and, and the overwhelming kind of sentiment of men needing to check their privilege. I think that's one way to check your privilege is kind of like think deeply and critically about how do you know that you're a man? What does that mean to you? Yeah. And what does it mean to bring intention to that maleness? Mm -hmm. So you, you took on the, 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 the identity and, and worked hard and you said like with eyes wide open. And so like, yeah, share some of the lessons that you feel about how to be a good man, right? You got mm -hmm. to ch like, somehow chose had had more choices along the way than I would think of just like some dude from Kansas who just mm -hmm. kind of grew up and like I'm a dude and I get do what dudes do and like da, 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 yeah. da, right so yeah but that's I'm bringing back that phrase that I pinned earlier which was that you know you 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 learned how to or you chose or you, you learned a lot about how to be a good man mm. through your path yeah, I think sure. I chose to be a good man, right? Yeah. And, I and think what that does we, that mean? And I think what? we all have, like, all men have a choice to be better men. And I think that, you know, if you listen hard enough to the larger cultural kind of rhetoric and you also listen to women in your lives um, talking about how they wish that they had a good man, what does that mean? It doesn't, it's not about finances. It's about love. It's about compassion. It's about openness. It's deeply about vulnerability, key, right? Yeah. Making yourself vulnerable, humbling yourself, making yourself small when you need to. Um, and I don't mean like shrinking and like taking parts of yourself away, but like being a good listener, that's a huge one. That's been the most difficult skill for me because I love to talk. I come from a hot-headed Mediterranean family where it's like all we do is yell over each other. <laughs> and I've had to like, I'm, I'm grateful that I married a quiet, contemplative woman who's like really <laughs> modeling that behavior for me. So I've learned how to listen and slow down and be quiet and introspective. And yeah. I also think that it's it's key for men to kind of think like is it necessary for me to contribute my voice or is my presence as a listener yeah. more valuable in this circumstance i think if you if we all have the access and ability not just trans people but but uh, met all men mm -hmm. have that ability and to access uh being a good observer mm. so if you're willing to observe rather than control and dominate which is an, a natural instinct for men, myself included. I wanna control every situation. I wanna be the dominant person in every room. Mm. And that's not because I'm proving something, it is just true to my nature. Mm -hmm. That might be because I'm an eight on the anagrams. So am I, yeah, so am I. <laughs> so that's our nature, right? Contrarians, yeah. like wanna control everything, know how to do everything best. Well, but, that's a good point too. And yeah. like a tool like the Enneagram, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I think that part of being a, a good human is learning about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Learning about your, like taking the time to really examine your, and it is like, like being in a, that is, that is a sort of a, an aggressive dominating, controlling yeah. uh, way of being, right? Yeah. Um, if I were to bring together a hundred, a hundred men right now and uh, put them in the room and put you up in front or on stage or, or in control of that for, for two hours, mm. what would you teach them? What would you mm. want to share? What would you want to impart? Man, that is a, a, that's a tough, a tough thing to answer. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing, if, if I were open about my transness in that situation is the key factor would be that there's not much difference between trans men and cis men, um, aside from a different level of access to enlightenment, mm. I think. Um, and then from that space with that understanding, I'm in such a beginner mindset right now that for me, I want to be in that space as not just a teacher. Mm. I'd really like to be both teaching and learning. 
because as much as I say that that's something that I want non-trans men to know, I also want to learn that deeply from non-trans men. Right. That there isn't much difference. Right. And I think, you know, obviously the other thing is like, be intentional about how you take up space and question your privilege. Right. And I think if you think that you're questioning your privilege, there's probably a layer below that. Mm -hmm. And once you hit that layer, go even further down than that. Do you have any like specific recommendations on how men can do that exact thing? Mm. God, I think, you know, I worked at Buzzfeed for a few years Yeah, and, uh, as ridiculous as this is going to sound, but, uh, there was a basic privilege quiz that they made, you yeah. know, how Buzzfeed makes quizzes. Yeah. And, uh, we made a video around that where we took all different types of identities and paired them up and had people take this quiz together about how much privilege they had. And the person who learned the most was uh, upper middle class, white, straight, cisgender dude who hadn't even thought in any way about privilege. So, you know, take the BuzzFeed quiz, see how how well you do, and then go from there. (laughs) That's actually really great. That's perfect. It's a concrete thing you can do, but I think, you know, and then read. Right, we have yeah. so much access to information and incredible thought leaders who are writing about this kind of shit, and not just about gender, but I mean like holistically. Yeah. I think if you question your privilege in one arena, if that's about gender, and particularly for your listeners, they're thinking about their gender in a different way. Yeah. They're thinking about their maleness and how they want to occupy space and be more gentle and vulnerable and open and connected. So I think if you're able to question it in one area, Take it to the next area. Got Take it. it to the next. Think about socioeconomics. Think about race, class, all types of privilege. Get a whole picture of what it means to be a, a man and what it means to have that type of privilege. And then think about in your, it's maybe an easy access point is like thinking about your own circle of every man. Right. 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 In, that, in that room, who has the most privilege? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then who's the most disenfranchised in that room? Yeah. What kind of burdens do they bear that you don't have to bear? And even like the gift of not having to think about it critically is a privilege, right? So like the fact that you and I, for all intents and purposes, when we walk down the street, we're receiving the same type of treatment. Sure. We're both white bearded sure. men, yeah. right? Yeah. We have a similar type of masculinity. We probably take up space similarly mm-hmm. since we're both eights. I'm sure that yeah. we do take up space yeah. in a similar way. But the difference is I was forced at a young age to think about privilege and access in a way that most men who look like me don't right. have to. Right. So that's in, some of it's intrinsic and was forced on me. And then as a result, I've been really curious in other arenas. Like I'm, you know, I didn't have to think about the privilege of being white, but I wanted to because I had already thought critically about this one area of privilege. So I think get curious about your own privilege and what that means and take a look in the room. There's some like simple exercises. If you're an executive or if you're in a meeting with leaders at your corporate job or your startup company from, from my position in that room, I always look around the room and I think, are there women in this room? Yeah. And I've been at places where the answer is no. Mm -hmm. And from there, you can ask the question of why are there no women in leadership roles here? Yeah. And invite women in, right? And I think like bringing back to Dan Savage or even thinking about like gay men versus like straight men, straight men have the opportunity that they're often partnered with. I mean, most of the, if you're in a relationship, you're with a woman, ask her what she wants from you to be a better man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's the information in your own home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And gay men don't necessarily have to have these interactions or intimate kind of connections to women in the same way that straight men do. So straight men already have this access point in their intimate circle. How can I be a better man to you? How could I be a better man to the larger world? What makes a good man to you? Women have the answer more than men do. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Yeah. So the the name of the events you put on are Lost Boys, correct? Yeah. Camp Lost Boys. Camp Lost Boys. Can yeah. you envision or picture a, a future of where that lost word gets gets lost? Yes. So what would that look like? Well, for me, this this has been a, um, a like a springboard for what I believe will be my next project, which hmm. is the Intentional Man Project, and I'm working on that right now. 
probably launching 2020. Nice. But what that looks like is connecting CIS and Transmen together for these types of outdoor excursions, similar to Everyman, but with trans men leading that conversation so that mm. cis men who are curious about like, wow, this dude might have more of a holistic kind of lens on masculinity. I might be able to learn from this, this yeah. experience that yeah. we're all together in those spaces and learning from men who have been on the other side of being a man. Amazing. Yeah. You should, you really, you got to, you got to come. I'll invite, I'll, I'll send you the dates. You got to come to one of our yeah, retreats love to. and check it out. Yeah. What, um, how can we at every man be more inviting and, uh, to trans men? Mm. Um, so this camp lost boys, uh, we, I started this with two other men. They're both men of color. Um, and, a big thing that I noticed right off the bat with our first our first event was about half of the men that showed up were men of color. Mm. And I think that that's not an accident that two-thirds of the organizers are yeah. men of color. Yeah. I think that what works best is to not is to involve at the inception or at the organizational level to involve a person of that experience yeah. is kind of crucial. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it reads as pandering or inauthentic. Totally. Yeah. And what do you think? I mean, this is the, the these are questions we're wrestling with all the time here. What is the uh, man? <clears throat> I feel like there's still a, like a lot of where a lot of work needs to happen in our society is white cis men mm -hmm. and we i we want to serve them and be inclusive at the same time mm -hmm. and it's like i think we can do it all but it's it's a, it's hard and it's yeah. a lot right so i i uh, i'm just curious if you have any thoughts or i, I just sort of like ideate ideate on it a little bit is like um you know, I don't remember when we were on the phone. You said a, a separatist space. Is that what mm -hmm. you called it? Yeah. Right. Um, and it, every man is not intended as it's literally not. It's intended as the opposite of a separatist space. But at well, this but point, it is a um, separatist space for men. For men, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, which yeah, is important, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they can let their walls down and be exactly. less guarded because they know that they're there uh, without free of judgment. Right, free of judgment for just the basic existence of being a man. Totally, got it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't even have a specific question, and I'm not, I'm not like looking for for approval or, or permission or anything. No, but, but I get what you're saying. Though. Yeah, it's yeah, like I still want to serve a bunch of white dudes, and Absolutely. I want everybody to know, like, listen, this is not some asshole play. Right. You know what I mean? I do. And a particularly in this climate too, like one of our camp experiences was uh, mostly young, mostly white. And it ended up reading as like a MAGA event. It wasn't like right. the energy, right. but you looked around visually and you're like, oh man, this is like, a, this looks like a make America great situation. No, we had a picture <laughs> on our website that was a circle of dudes that yeah. were probably 85, 90% white. And we yeah. got called out. Like it looks like a fucking KKK thing. And we're like, oh my God, which you're is not, right. Yeah, I know. And if you could have <laughs> been there, geez, you, you would know this is the furthest thing in the yeah. entire world from that. Yeah. It's, it's hard. hard. I think uh, one one problem solved after that was that we decided to uh, ask on our form. We have 100 guys come to each of these. Yeah. And we ask on the form, do you identify as a man of color? So we could kind of create a balance. We also offer a specific uh, number of mm. slots available specifically for men of color. Yeah. Um, so there's a balance because uh, yeah. we don't want an event that's less than 30% men of color. Yeah. Um, because I don't th – I think that – it's important to have that diversity there. Yeah. It's crucial that white, cis, straight men learn how to be better men. Yeah. Because they are the root of like, they're at the top of the food chain. Yeah. So it's yeah. important for them to kind of get leveled. Yeah. In some ways. Sometimes I wonder if I should, I mean, not to like, if I need to be a little less sensitive. I, and I, that might come out in taken out of context, that could be wrong. But. But I really mean it. Like, part of me wants to say, listen, world, like, 
we're we're we're, we're really like on everybody's team here, and we, yeah. we're trying to help like white men get more sensitive and connected and better, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I've uh, this is it's been get less sensitive in what way? Like the critique around it, you mean, or like we are. Um, we spend a lot of time and, and energy stressing about mm. not being as diverse as we want to be. And if it wasn't that, it would be something else. When you when you start a project, you I spend a lot of time right stressing about, yeah, about that's, that's the, true. the voices coming from the outside. I think <laughs> that's you guys are so doing true. You guys are doing good work. Yeah. yeah. And this work yeah. is work that you feel is is you're called to do. Yeah. And I think that it's a beautiful offering to the world and there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Yeah. And anyone who expresses dissent or some sort of sentiment that it's not the right way, I hope that they figure out how to create something that feels like the right way for them. As a person who's been doing work in the larger like queer community, uh, that tends to be super cannibalistic Mm -hmm. and people have a, a constant kind of voice has been the external critic yeah where it already lives inside my mind of like how can i be doing better so when someone provides me with an external version of it i'm like oh finally here it is you know i've been (laughs) saying this to myself for the past like five years so um that's really helpful yeah so i think like turn that dial down it doesn't matter what other people who aren't going to it feel about it if a man in your circle who's a part of the groups part of the movement part of the solution is telling you that you could do something better, then it's important to have a conversation. There's call outs versus call in. You nailed that, right? man. That's so if someone's calling you in to have a conversation of expansion, yeah. welcome it. Yeah. If someone's calling you out, thank you. Not, mm-hmm. not The complaint box is now closed. Appreciate Amazing. your feedback though. But to your point though about white, white, cis, straight men and their need to learn, to have a diversity of male experience in those circles is yeah, crucial totally. to that learning. Totally. Because you learn by seeing and understanding and humanizing. And theoretically, we can talk about race, we can talk about gender, we can talk about um, you know sexuality, but in theory is very different than brother to brother, oh, person to person. So you could have a yeah. conversation with another non-trans dude about how you want to like learn yeah. about trans shit but when we sit down and you're like oh you're just another dude and we have this conversation and it's an embodied experience where you're like now you have an identity attached to it you're invested in a different way and it's that exact it's that uh, that thing that uh, fills me with like the passion and hope that I have for all of this because it doesn't seem it doesn't fail when it's done well right like that connection that brotherhood that humanity that like <clears throat> man i like i i want to start writing down some of these like beautiful moments of connection mm. between uh between people who who wouldn't think they'd have that you yeah know? so uh, man what a um i want yeah i want to just give you a little more space anything else that you want to share or anything else that you think that would be um helpful or or pose some questions i mean how, I guess, uh, yeah, this is this is uh, deeply impactful for me. And, and mm. Anything else you want to get into? I mean, uh, in terms of, like, helpful, I really do think that that, ec- that small exercise is something that I did when I used to teach uh, Trans 101 lessons in colleges for mm. the better part of 10 years. And we would start every um, workshop or lesson with that exercise of having everyone close their eyes and really sink into their bodies and remove themselves to kind of identify what how do you know who you are and and who are you yeah um i think that's a really powerful exercise for everyone to do to kind of get a base understanding i think it's if anything it's yeah just like think critically and deeply about who you are and what that means in the larger context of your small life and the, the world. Right. And to double down on the experiential thing again, like I, I do think like, um, yeah, getting in a room or getting in a circle with, with people of, of, of different yes. lives is there's nothing. I think that if, if we could like dictate what people have to do, I think I would dictate that we all have to do that. Yeah, it's crucial. You know, it's yeah. so crucial. There's a really cool dynamic going up in the Bay Area. We have a, like groups sprouting up in the Bay Area like fast. But there's uh, one of my good buddies, and he's becoming a facilitator with every man. His name's Tom. 
and he sits in the Tracy California group, which is, um, and it's not all this, but I'm just generalizing, like mostly white cis dudes. And he also sits in the Oakland group mm. uh, every week also, which is, I, I believe there's a trans man, there's a wide representation of LB, LBDQ and racially diverse. Mm-hmm. And like hearing his, hearing the beauty of both of those groups, is it's it's fascinating and Mm -hmm. hopeful and like so cool and like they all get together and like widen the community amongst themselves and it's um i think it's like a very beautiful microcosm of 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 what is possible in in terms of some of the growth that we can all lean toward yeah you know i think as a crux too is like we're at this turning point of men wanting to be better mm-hmm. right yeah um, because we're being called to actually be better it gotta happen yeah it's whether you want to or not yeah. you can either keep being yeah. a shit bag or you can be uh, like somewhat more awake for the process of yeah. becoming a better guy and i think that a crucial piece of that is examination and responsibility and removing fear because mm-hmm. men are so afraid of each other Yes. Everyone's afraid of men, right? Yeah. And we know that women are afraid of men. Mm-hmm. And we're aware of that. And we're, we understand the culture that has sprung up around that necessary fear. Mm. But what we don't talk about culturally is how afraid men are of each other. No, and it's one of the most remarkable things. And it happens every single retreat that somebody will speak up and say, you know, I walked in here and I was scared shitless. Yeah. You know. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So, I appreciate you having this conversation. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Let's do it again and let's stay in touch and yeah, I mean if there's if there's uh, if there's the right place to collaborate too, I think we have a a growing community of very very uh, you know, beautiful and and loving men to yeah. to engage. Cool. So, thanks man. Yeah, thank you.